The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. Well, are you ready for the word? Amen. Are you ready for the word? Yes. All right, if you're ready, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 and 36. The book of Matthew chapter 14 verse 35 and 36. Are you there? Matthew, for your information, is in the New Testament. So don't go to the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Are you there? I read. The Bible says that, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. Verse 36. And they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I'm continuing on my series that I have titled How to Design the Anointing. How to Design the Anointing. This is part two. How to Design the Anointing. And this is part two. The anointing is the most important aspect of every believer. The anointing is the difference maker. The anointing is what makes all the difference in our lives. Because without the anointing, we are nothing. We are nothing. Even Jesus Christ, who is God, had to be anointed before he was able to function effectively. So it's so important for us to understand the place of the anointing in the life of every believer. But in as much as the anointing is so important and crucial, the most abused area in the faith, in the body of Christ, is the area of the anointing. And tonight I want you to open up your spirit because I'm going to be showing you some things that are so crude, critical. They're so critical for our growth. Now, the scripture we read in Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 and 36, the Bible says that when the men of that place had knowledge of him, underline the word, they had knowledge of him. In other words, they were with him, but they didn't know who he was until God opened their eyes to recognize who he was. They were with Jesus, but they didn't know who he was. The Bible didn't tell us how long they were with him for. But let's just assume for the purposes of this teaching that they were with him for a month. And they didn't know that he was the Messiah. They didn't know that he was the healer. So let's assume that within that month, some of their most loved 
brothers, sisters, cousins, aunties who were sick died. Yet the healer was by them. And they didn't know. So the Bible says that when they had knowledge of him, now the moment they had knowledge of him, what they did was they sent out into all that country run about and brought unto him all that were diseased. So the only time they acted was when they knew who he was. That's why discernment is so crucial. If you don't know the anointing that will bless you, you'll be there for years. Last week I was saying that that man who was by the pool of grace, pool of Bethesda, was there for how many years? 38 years. He lacked discernment. Jesus came and Jesus asked, will you be made whole? He said, I have no one to help me. He said, when the the, the, the water is stirred. I have no one to help me. But no one was helping anyone. He missed his Kairos moment. Many have missed their Kairos moments. So the moment they discerned who he was, look at the next thing they did. They sent out into all that country runabout and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Remember I explained to you what was at the hem of his garment. The pomegranates and the bells because that was the required qualification garment for every priest. And Jesus Christ is our high priest. <coughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So discernment is important. If you have no discernment in this last day, your life will be in a mess. You need discernment. Now, isn't it interesting that we have focused on other gifts, but we don't focus on the gift of discernment. We focus on the gift of healings, the gift of prophecy, gift of wisdom, gift of knowledge. We, we, are, we are eager to have those gifts, but we forget about the gift of discernment. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 1. I want us to read verse 1 and 10, but I want us to just look at all the various giftings. So we'll read from verse 1 to 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 1 to 10. Are you there? Are we there? Okay, I read. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Now, look at that carefully. It said, concerning spiritual gifts, I will not have you ignorant. Why? Because spiritual gifts are important. 
And remember, God says, my people are perished for what? Lack of knowledge. So what you don't know will kill you. So Paul is, is talking about the gifts, the gifts, and he said, verse 2, he said, you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God, underline that word Spirit of God, the Spirit of God there is a capital S, Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but the Holy Ghost. Now, this scripture is so important, but, but in the days we are living in, can be very deceptive. Because really carefully, it says, no one, no one who is operating by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is accursed, right? And can also say Jesus is Lord, but the Holy Ghost. And that is true. But someone might not have the Holy Ghost and still say Jesus is Lord. Remember Matthew chapter 7? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I do, I say? And then he went further and said, and said, and they came to him and said, Jesus, we did miracles in your name. We did this in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me. I know you not. Do you remember that? Now, they did miracles in the name of who? Jesus. So, they might not have the spirit of God, but they can still use the name of Jesus to do miracles. It said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So what were they working? They were working miracles. <laughs> they were working miracles. They were doing signs, wonders, to, and unimaginable things were happening. The dead were being raised up. Things were happening. So I want you to follow me carefully. Verse 4. Of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says, Now there are diversities of gifts. In other words, there are different types of gifts, but the same spirit. It says, There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I want you to underline that. To profit with all means not to profit himself, but to profit the body of Christ. So the moment someone has a gift and they're using the gift to profit themselves, it's not from God. Verse 8, it says, for to one is giving the spirit of the word of wisdom. We know a lot about that. To another, the word of knowledge. We know, we know a lot about that by the same spirit. To another, verse 10, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of what? Spirits. Very important. That's where discernment is important. 
It says to another discerning of what? Spirit. So if you don't have discernment, you will not be able to know which one is of God and which one is not of God. And it's not everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is of God. <laughs> That's why discernment is so important in the last days. Because Jesus said even the very elect, the very elect, they will be deceived. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 to 5. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 to 5. It says, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us, when shall these things be? In other words, they are asking for the end times. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Have you heard a lot of preachers preaching on end times? They tell you these are the signs. The, the day it will be this date and that date, it's all a lie. Nobody knows the time. Even Jesus himself doesn't know when he's coming back. The only person who knows the day is God. Jesus, the beloved of God. Now, God said, can I do anything without first revealing it to my friend Abraham? Yet, in this one thing, God said, even my son, Jesus Christ, who is equal to God, does not know where he's coming back. So, if somebody tell you, blood moon, this is the first one, the second one, this date and that date, forget it. All you have to do is be ever ready. Jesus said, no man knows when I'm coming, not even I. He said, I'll come like a thief in the night. When thieves are coming, do they tell you we are coming to your house? No. Oh, well, there's one country I know that when they are coming, they'll tell you we are coming. <laughs> There's one country. Don't look anywhere now. Look at me. Just don't look at anybody. I said there is one country. I haven't mentioned any country. Praise God. When they are coming, they'll write to you, we are coming on so-so and so dates. So be ready. <laughs> That's the only country. Apart from that country, Jesus said, I'll come like a thief in the night. In other words, no one will know. So Matthew 24 verse 3 is, and, and they ask him the signs concerning the, the end of the world, verse 4. And G, look at Jesus' answer. The Bible says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. What does it mean to take heed? Have understanding. Have knowledge that no man or no woman deceive you. It says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Oh, we've had many of those. Now notice, he didn't say they'll come saying, I am Jesus. They'll 
come and say, I am Christ. Christ means the anointing and his anointed. Is the anointed one and his anointing. Now Jesus said, the antichrist is already here. The antichrist simply means anti-anointing. It says, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. I pray that you are not in the category of many. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar, they had understanding of the times. I pray that God will give you understanding of the last days. It's not everything you hear on the news is gospel. It's not everything you read. It's not every testimony that is genuine. So every miracle you see out there is of God. <laughs> That's why we need discernment. You need to know how to discern the anointing. The Bible says that the men of that place when they had knowledge of him. They, now, did you know that during Jesus' time, many were calling him Belial, son, son of Belial? They say he's Lucifer. They say he's the devil. Now this is Jesus. There are people in his time were calling him the devil. So that means people at that time had no understanding that this is the Messiah standing in front of them. That's why he wept. He said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, for your time of visitation has come and you knew it not. I pray for you that you will not miss your time of visitation. So discerning the anointing is so important. Question, what is the anointing? The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I don't know what burden is on your life. I don't know what yoke is on your life. That has been there generationally after today. The anointing destroys that yoke. Amen. Let me hear a living amen. amen. I said the anointing destroys that yoke. Amen. The anointing removes that burden. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The anointing is a power of God that sets the captives free and liberates the oppressed. What do we see these days of the definition of the anointing? Fear. They put fear in you. To manipulate you and to entrap you. The, the gospel is good news. It's not bad news. It's not fear news. Faith is not fear. Faith is good news. So if every time a prophet sees demons, 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 demons. Every time, say that your family is full of a witch. It's your cousin. It's your mother. 
Your mother is a witch. Now, if your mother is truly a witch, why would she not have eaten you up as a baby? Hmm? Now, I'm not saying there are not enemies that the devil uses in families. I'm not saying that. There are elements of that. But you have to know who you are. Don't over-empower don't over the devil. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Are you following what I'm saying? Christ is greater. He is greater. The Bible says that you are hidden in Christ and Christ is hidden in God. The Bible says that take on the shield of faith. Take on the shield of faith which you are able to quench all firing dart of the enemy. Why would you have all these weapons and still be scared of the devil? The devil is a toothless bulldog. All he has left is wiles. Jesus said to Peter, the enemy, the Satan had wanted to sift you like a wheat, but what? I have prayed for you. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And when Jesus defeated Satan, you and I were there. He said, how? Because the Bible says we are hid in Christ. And Christ is hid in God. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. Are you following what I'm saying? The Bible says that when Abraham tithed, Levi, who was in his loin, tithed also. Now, if four generations in, of Abraham tithe, then guess what? You and I were in Christ Jesus when he defeated Satan. The Bible says he made a public show of him. Everybody saw the fight. It was not a secret fight. Everybody saw the fight. He made a public show of him. Are you following what I'm saying? You are anointed. Release that anointing. I said you are anointed. Release that anointing. And listen, the anointing is not exclusive to men and women of God. Is Christ in you? Is Christ in me? Who is the anointed one? Jesus Christ. So if he's in you and he's in me, then we have the same level of anointing. All you have to do, like Paul told Timothy, is stir up the gift. When you put sugar in your tea or in your coffee, what do you do? You stir it up. Now, if you don't stir it up, the sugar is still there. You drink a bitter coffee or a bitter tea to the bottom and then you have all the sweetness. You don't want that. You want the sweetness from the beginning to the end. So all you have to do is stir up the gift. And how do you stir up this anointing? Through prayer, through the stirring of the word, through a time of consecration, consecrating yourself unto the Lord. And as you do that, what you're doing is you are stirring it up. You are stirring up the anointing. You are stirring up the gifting. And then when the enemy comes against you, you tell the devil, I am anointed for this. Hallelujah. I just came to teach tonight. I didn't come to preach. I came to teach. 
So the anointing is the power of God that sets the captives free and liberates the oppressed. Acts 10, 38. The Bible says that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed for God was with him. I love that. I love that. For God was with you. Now if God is with you, no devil can come near you. Only with your eyes will you see them. They will come against you one way, they will flee seven ways. When you are anointed, you go about doing good. I've seen some people a little anointing and they are nasty. A little anointing and they are nasty. A little gift and they become pride and arrogant. Bible says that Jesus Christ was anointed and he went about doing good. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So, a sign that you are anointed is a fact that you go about doing what? Doing good. You go about doing what? Doing good. Healing all that were oppressed. Healing all that were oppressed. When you hear of a brother or a sister going through challenges, you stand on your feet. Father, thank you for perfecting that situation concerning him or her. Thank you for total restoration. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you've done. You know, when I see our sister who was testifying tonight, you know, it's interesting, she was just saying two years ago, just two years, she's been faithful in the church for just two years. And, you know, you wouldn't believe it. You think she's been here from the time the church started. That's growth. That's growth. Growth happens when you are planted. Growth doesn't happen when you jump from one place to the other, gallivanting. It doesn't happen. Are you following me? That's growth. Being in the word. Staying in the word. You see, there there are no magics in the body of Christ. Well, well, sorry. There is no magic in the Bible. Let me say it that way. God is not a magician. You remember when Jesus was about to feed the 5,000 with two loaves and five fishes? Or is it five fishes and two loaves? Whichever way. Five loaves and two fishes. What was the instruction? Tell them to sit down. Sit down. You are hungry, but you have to sit down. Sit down in the church and be taught. You can't, You give God ultimate. God, if you don't give me husband now. In three months and six days, God, I'm gone. Well, you can go. You can go. You can go. You go, he's God. You don't go, he's God. You serve him, he's God. You don't serve him, he's God. You, so, so who is losing? It's you. 
He said, God, if you don't give me a wife now, I hit my head on the wall. <laughs> Whose head is going to pay me? It's you. God doesn't do ultimatums. If you don't bless me now, 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 now. So God knows your motive because he knows if he blesses you now, you'll jump. Some people came to this church. They were praying, Pastor, we need help. They were only giving small money, small, small money, small, small money, small, small money. And they backslided. Small. If you backslide on hundred, two hundred pounds, five hundred, ah, you, you don't have a future. If you are asking God, bless me, bless me, God gives you a job, you, you are promoted and you backslide at that stage, you don't have a future. My relationship with God is not based on what he will give to me. It's based on all he did for me in time past. He has been too faithful. I am not serving him because of what to get. Like Job said, even if he slays me, I will still praise him. So, I'm not serving God because of what you give me. You give me one pound, I'll serve him. You don't give me one pound, I'll still serve him. Because my relationship with him is not based on what I'm going to get. That's why he says, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. When you seek first the kingdom, all, 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 all will be added including what you don't need. He adds more than what you... I mean, when, when God came to um, Solomon and said, ask. Solomon said, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. Give me understanding. And God said, ah, you have asked for this one thing. I'll give you prosperity. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. I'll give you everything. Why is that? Because he understood that when you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added. Genesis 24 verse 1. The Bible says that and Abraham was blessed in all things at his old age. All things. Those who run after things don't get the things. <laughs> the kingdom of God operates this way. You seek first the kingdom and all things shall be added. But so long as you are running after all things, you won't get it. You want babies? Go after soul winning. You're believing God to bless your house? He said, if they will obey and serve him, Job 36, 11, they'll live their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. They came to Jesus. mother of Jesus came to Jesus and said they have no one. John chapter 2 verse 5 and Jesus said to the mother, what have I to do with you now, woman? I've, my time has not come. And the mother of Jesus went to them and said to them, whatever he tells you to do, what do you do? You do it. And they had water 
they wanted wine. They had water. Jesus said, fill the water pot with water. Don't question God. You want wine. He said, pour water. Just whatever he tells you to do, do it. Just do it. I said, oh no, God, I don't understand this. Are you an understander? You are not. What are we? We are believers. Believers what? Believe. We are not understanders. We are believers. And believers believe. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Ah, no, no. God, you know, you know, I am a Thomas. No, the days of Thomas are gone. You don't have a Thomas faith. Thomas was there to show us that we must not operate in that level of faith. Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? After today, nobody can deceive you. You'll be able to read between the lines. You'll be able to tell this is a genuine anointing. This is manipulation. This is witchcraft. This is not of God. And what do we see today in the body of Christ? A lot of witchcraft. A lot of manipulation. A lot of manipulation. A lot of manipulation. And we need to be careful. Especially those of us who are desperate. We run everywhere. We are desperate. We hear of a new prophet in town. We run there. We know all the addresses of the latest prophets in town. And yet they don't last. This one comes, you go. This one comes, you go. You've gone from one prophet, they've confused you. Because you go to this one, they say, blood of Jesus, anointing oil. You go to this one, they say, apple, eat apple. You go to this one, you know, it's salt. So today you're eating apple, tomorrow you're eating salt. Tomorrow you are eating you are eating all kinds of stuff. Because when you are desperate, you do desperate things. The anointing is the unlimited resources of the deposits in Christ Jesus. But listen to me. But in as much as the anointing is unlimited, it can be limited by human knowledge and understanding. Remember Jesus when he was anointed by when he was baptized by John the Baptist. In Jordan, the Bible says that and the heavens opened and the voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. You remember that? Now Jordan, the place of Jordan represents the place of the anointing without measure. It's a place of the anointing without measure. There are four levels of the anointing. I'll take my time and teach that at some point. When Elisha was following Elijah, Elisha was taken through four stages. Four stages. You have to go through four levels before you can receive the anointing without measure. The first level is called Gilgal. Gilgal is a place of circumcision. You have to be cut. The second is Jericho. Jericho is a place of pleasantness, but no fruit. Everything is beautiful, but no fruit. It's like that fig tree with leaves without figs. 
the third is a place of Bethel. Bethel represents revelation knowledge. And then the last stage is the stage where it's called Jordan. That is the anointing without measure. So God's desire is for us to get to the level where we are operating in the anointing without measure. But because of our limitation, we limit the anointing. You remember Ezekiel chapter 36 where he was taken through the stages of the anointing, the water, the ankle level, the knee level, the, the waist level, and then until he started swimming. So that are, that, that's the four levels. You have to pay that price to operate in the anointing without measure. And you will get there. I said you will get there. I said you will get there in the name of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit only works with the knowledge that we have. So in as much as the anointing is unlimited and is without measure, the Holy Spirit can only work with the knowledge that we have. That's why your knowledge and understanding of the anointing would determine the scale of signs, wonders, and miracles you enjoy. And in grace, the Bible says that let grace be multiplied through knowledge. That's why knowledge is important. Are you following what I'm saying? Knowledge is what? Important. And I believe that God is anointing you for a greater greater dimensions of, of his glory. God has anointed us for this generation and generations yet unborn. We cannot fail them. I said we cannot fail them. That's why when the anointing is upon you, you have to be careful the way you behave. Because generations after you are linked to you It is not a coincidence that you are in this place in such a time as this. Esther was not born into a dispensation of coincidence. You were not born into a dispensation of coincidence. You are born for such a time as this. Leave a mark. Leave a mark on this earth before you leave. And it will take the anointing to do that. Listen, the anointing that is upon you is able to solve personal, professional, national, international, and continental problems. So why are you running helter-skelter looking for help? Look at the levels of problems the anointing is able to solve. When David was anointed, he started solving national problems. When Goliath showed up, everybody was running away. But what happened? That was a national assignment. David showed up and took care of it. Why? Because God anointed him. The Bible says that. And when David was anointed, the spirit of God came upon him from that day forward. Don't limit the anointing just to yourself. Don't ever think about yourself. When you think about the anointing, all you think about is me, myself, and I. Never be selfish. 
You are anointed, not for you. Did you know that when David was anointed, Goliath had not showed up yet? Yeah. Every time God anoints you, it's for a purpose. You need to come to the point where you ask God, what is this anointing for? What is the purpose? Because if you don't understand the purpose of the anointing, you'll abuse it. And that's what we see. We see many abusing the anointing. The anointing was given to us freely. Yes, there is a price you have to pay, but from the source that it came from, it's free. You didn't pay anything for it. So why are you asking others to pay for it? It was given to you for free. So if it's truly from God, why are you charging others for it? Why are you charging others? Did Jesus ever charge anybody? Did Jesus ever charge anybody to pray for them? Why are you not answering? Because you've gone to places where you've been charged, so you don't want to respond. <laughs> the days of old are forgiven. It's a new season. Hallelujah. The real purpose of the anointing has to be understood. We have to understand the purpose of the anointing. Listen, the anointing, you see, we have limited the anointing just to a bottle of oil. The anointing is not the olive oil. If the anointing was just for the olive oil, I'm telling you, all the aisles where they sell olive oil will be the most anointed places in the shops. Where the oils are in Asda or Tesco, it will be the most anointed. When people go there, they have to be falling. The anointing is not the oil. Are you getting something out of this? Now, I want you to listen to something very important. I want to show you something in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Because it's important for us to be able to discern the anointing. Now, do you remember when God uh, uh, made, created Adam and Eve? The Bible says that they were both naked and they were not ashamed of themselves. So that means they were being covered by something, and they were being covered by the glory of God. So let's say the glory of God right there is the anointing. Right? Now I want you to follow me carefully. This is important. This is where many miss it. They say, but if the anointing has departed from this person, how can they still can hear from God? The fact that the anointing has departed doesn't mean they cannot hear from God. The anointing was departed from Saul, but he could still hear God. I want you to follow me. So Genesis chapter 3 verse 7, look at something very carefully. This was after the sin. Verse 7, the Bible says that, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. 
and they sewed what fig leaves together and made themselves apron. So that means the anointing has left, but they have duplicated the anointing. The glory is left. Now, in place of the glory, they have sown fig leaves, which looks perfectly okay. What is the purpose of the fig leaves? To cover their nakedness. But God has departed. The glory has departed. But the miracles are still going on. The miracles, the signs, and the wonders going on is not a proof that God is still there. Remember, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So you cannot use the miracles, the signs, and the wonders as a yardstick to say that the person or that man or woman is still anointed. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Even the devil can work miracles. Yeah. The magicians of Pharaoh, they were working miracles. Same miracles. Same. They put their rod down, it turns into snake. Moses put his rod down, turns into snake. Same. The devil can replicate the kingdom of God word for word. Word for word. Color for color. If he sees green in the kingdom, he will colorfully green himself. Because he is a chameleon. So, the glory is departed. The anointing is gone. But they have sown fig leaves. The fig leaves represents busyness. Things are happening. Everybody's running about. Doing all kinds. It's happening. Things are happening. And the sad thing is many, many don't admit at this point that the glory is departed. Why? Because of selfishness. Because of shame. They don't want to be humiliated publicly. So they will not go to God in earnest and honesty and cry and say, God forgive me, anoint me again afresh. That's all Saul needed to have done. That's all Esau needed to have done. To have repented. Instead he cried. He sold his birthright when the father passed on the blessing to his brother, he was crying. The Bible says that he should have repented, but he was crying. You see, so that means you can cry without repentance. Oh, glory, this is good stuff. The fact that you see somebody crying in the church doesn't mean the Holy Ghost has touched them. <laughs> and it's for your information. It's not everybody in the church that's working in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that when the sons of God appeared before God, even Satan showed up. So Genesis 3, 7. They soaked fig leaves and covered themselves. Now, I said, the fact that the anointing has departed doesn't mean you cannot hear God. Look at verse 8. The Bible says that, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord 
God among the trees of the garden. Now, so the anointing is gone, the glory is gone, but they can still hear God. There are what we call familiar spirits that is operating in many churches today. Because many Christians don't have discernment. Familiar spirits. Familiar spirits operate the same way as word of knowledge. But they are called familiar spirit. Without discernment, you don't know that this is a familiar spirit. It takes the spirit of discernment to know that this is not the word of knowledge. This is not, word of knowledge will tell you about, about your past, your present, and your future. That's word of knowledge. Word of wisdom provides the solution to word of knowledge. Are you following me? But now, the spirit of familiarity can also tell you your past, your present, and your future, but does not provide solutions. It provides fear, manipulation, and so on and so forth. And so if you are not careful, you see the oppression of, of familiar spirits and you think that it's a word of knowledge. And trust me, it's word for word. They can tell you what you ate yesterday. They can tell you your telephone number, your address. <laughs> and, and people say, hey, hey, wow. Hey, ha, ha, wow. And you see, that's human, that's human nature. Human beings want to be told of the unknown. You remember when the spirit of God left Saul, he went to consult other mediums. Do you remember that? He went to a witch. Now, he banished the witches during his time when he was with God, but he, after the spirit of God left him, he went to consult the same means that he banished, that he, he, he stopped in the, in the nation. And he asked for them to bring the spirit of Samuel that's consulting the dead. Psychic powers. We see people going to psychics who predict things to happen and they go and take the same predictions word for word. The psychic had predicted this hurricane is going to happen, this is going to happen, that is going to happen and then a so-called fake will take the same psychic prediction uh, all they add is the Lord is saying the Lord is saying this is, this is going to happen. That's come from a psychic. And many gullible believers troop there. If I want to deceive people, all I'll do is put title under my name. Prophet. That's all. The latest prophet is in town. And as for seeing, I can see you. All of us can see. As for seeing, oh, I, I, I can see. I, have you not come to church and I'm preaching you? It's like I'm talking about you. And you begin to wonder, who told pastor about me? You, you didn't tell anybody 
what I was preaching, but I was preaching and it was giving you solutions. That's the spirit of wisdom operating right there. But you see, what you need to understand is that the spirit of Christ does not glorify itself. It glorifies God. The moment you hear that person say, I, I, me, me, my, then you know, you know the source. You know the source. He said, I am this. I am the queen mother of this. I am the godfather of this. Then you know. Then you know that this is not glorifying God, that this is glorifying the flesh. So the fact that an anointing has departed does not mean that the person cannot still hear God. I want you to follow that. That is very important. Even an unbeliever can hear God. Even a donkey, a donkey, God spoke to a donkey. So why do you think that if God spoke through a donkey, someone whom the spirit of God had left cannot still hear God? It's time for us to discern. Wake up. The church of Jesus Christ is sleeping. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to operate in the spirit of discernment. It is time because the Bible says that in the last days and we are living in the last days of the last days. It's time for us to have the spirit of discernment to be able to discern accurately. I always tell you, you were not there when God called me. And that's the truth. I showed up and I said, God has called me. And you believe. How do you know? How do you know? You were not there. You were not there. How do you know? I said, oh, he, because he's a nice pastor. No. You don't know. You, you, you go through the word. Check the word. Check track record. Check the teachings. Check the preachings. Check everything. Check my lifestyle. Anyone who says, oh, as for my lifestyle, you know, I can do anything. <laughs> as for my life, the gift and callings of God are without repentance. So you operate just in the area of gift. Ah, my friend, you need to run. If you're truly called, your private life and your public life must be one. Check Jesus. His private life and his public life was one. And we need to be careful. Magicians have invaded the body of Christ. Psychics have invaded the body of Christ. What we call the anointing, what we see on TV, we see people fall and we call anointing. That is not the anointing. Where did you see Jesus preaching and people were falling? The Bible says that even the demons, they tremble 
and they fall. But you say, you, you only tremble. But demons, they, the devils, they take it to the next level. They tremble and they fall. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ was teaching, the power of God was present to heal. Wherever did we see somebody doing it? And people fall here and say, that's a, that's, a, that's a power of God. That's an anointing. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. We need to wake up. Come on now. If I tell all of you here, and all of you there, I say, stand up, stand up. If I do my hands this way, you're all going to fall. You'll fall. Because I've already told you. You try to fall, to, to, to try to say, oh, the pastor is anointed. No, it's not anointing. Check when David was anointed, what was he using his anointing for? What was he using the anointing for? When Jesus was anointed, what was he using the anointing for? So anywhere you don't see a reflection of what Jesus was using the anointing for, that is not the anointing. It's time for us to wake up. He says, awake, awake, awake out of your sleep. Awake. Remember, Jesus said, while men slept, the enemies went and sowed tars. It's time to wake up. And I'm on a mission to teach this church, to teach the whole world on how to discern the anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you receive it? We can give Jesus a better praise. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293 Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.